I'm Victoria, a Catholic wedding photographer. And I'm Joe, a Catholic wedding videographer and photographer. And we're Catholic wedding professionals who love working with brides on this journey toward marriage. As married women ourselves, we totally remember all that goes into preparing for the wedding day. All the stresses and obstacles, and we're here to help you through it all. In this podcast, we'll cover topics like planning out a timeline, Catholic wedding traditions, and more. Our hope is that you'll find this podcast helpful in both your wedding planning and marriage preparation. Know that we are praying for you and your fiancé as you plan and prepare. Welcome Welcome to the Catholic Catholic Wedding Wedding Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Catholic Wedding Podcast. It's Joe here today, and I'm excited for today's episode because it's with like kind of an old friend of mine um, who is hopping on today to talk to us about financial planning. Um, so I'd love to introduce you guys to Will. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me on today. Really appreciate it. My name is Will Murley. Um, first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father. I was married, uh, my wife and I, we got married last year, had our first kiddo this year, Jason Paul. So that's very exciting. Also devout Catholic, used to be a Catholic missionary and just grateful to be here today. So thank you again, Joe. Yeah. Awesome. So today we're like, I feel like it's a very like semi-formal episode because we're talking like (laughs) about money, which I know is something that you deal with a lot of. So do you want to kind of like tell us what you do professionally, um, before we dive in? Yeah, absolutely. Because I am a professional and a fiduciary, I do have a disclaimer paragraph I have to read. So professionally, I'm a financial advisor with Equitable Advisors, LLC, a broker-dealer and FINRA and a CIPIC member firm. I'm also an investment advisor representative with Equitable Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and an insurance agent with Equitable Network, LLC. It's important for me to point out that my talk here this morning today is uh, not intended and should not be relied upon a solicitation, recommendation, or offer of any insurance, investment, or other financial product or service, nor should it be any part of my presentation here today to be relied upon as any formal form of financial advice. So in short, I'm just here to talk, have fun, share what I know, and nothing is a formal recommendation, but happy and grateful uh, to be here. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I feel like money is sometimes like a weird thing to talk about. And we've talked about it a few times on the podcast, just in terms of like marriage preparation and things like that. Um, but I think it's really great that you're able to come on with coming from a more professional perspective of things. So yeah, so as you know, like most of our listeners are Catholic couples, they're preparing for wedding day, they're preparing for marriage. And there's like a lot of things involved with that. And so maybe just kind of share like why you think it's so vital for couples to talk about finances um, especially like long-term finances, uh, during the time of engagement. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great question. It's so important because, you know, money, wealth, what we own, it really intertwines very deeply into our hearts, right? So you could say money is like a, a blank piece of paper. Our wealth is a blank piece of paper. You can write whatever's on your heart. And a lot of what gets written on it is really subconscious. So your greed, your desire for control, your desire to be God, or maybe it's something better like your desire to be charitable, to love, to give, to be a provider, all finds its way onto that, that dollar bill you have, that wealth you have. And especially when you have two different people, with two different stories, financially, their backgrounds and perspective when they come together. And the fact that economics touches so many things in life, it's hard to, it's hard to even understand how much economics touches our lives. Like you got to talk about it. You got to bring Christ to it. You really have to pray about it or else you could be in for a world of trouble. And that happens to a lot of couples. 
Yeah. And I know that it's, you know, we don't, we don't like to talk about the D word in the Catholic world and that, that D word <laughs> being divorce. Um, but just to, statistically, a lot of divorces come about because of money issues. And so it's really, really important for couples to like invite the Lord into their financial planning and invite the Lord into how they're managing their money and how they view their money. Um, so yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. Um, what, what do you think maybe are some major topics within finance that couples can and should discuss with each other during engagement? There are several, and I want to go back to just the divorce subject. So I think it makes mm -hmm. top three, uh, financial difficulty for a cause of divorce. You know, there's stuff like infidelities up there too, but almost money can be a form of infidelity if you're that possessive yeah. and attached towards it. And I have close, uh, we'll just say a close friend. Um, when I asked him like, cause he got divorced, I asked him like, Hey, if money wasn't an issue in your marriage, would you have gotten divorced? And he told me, no, like that's wow. how big, that's how big of an, of an issue it is. It's really central. And then I forgot your previous question because of my preamble there, but can you ask <laughs> that's that okay. question? Uh, yeah. Later? Yeah. No, it was just like, what are some major topics within finance? Cause it like money is such a broad mm. thing that I feel like maybe we can st start um, kind of whittling down, like what are some major topics within the finance conversation that couples should be discussing with each other? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely start with the relational aspect and the personal history aspect. That's more important than the practicals. Naturally, you have to hit on those practicals because, well, you're becoming one flesh, you're living in the world, you got to provide for your family, you got to retire, right? Whatever retirement looks like for you, you probably want some money there, some some wealth to be built up. In terms of relationally, uh, communication is key. And that's key in every single part of marriage. Now, financially, I think a great place to start is knowing uh, your partners, your spouses or future spouses, history with how they see wealth. And I can give you an example, right? Mm -hmm. So my side of the family, growing up as a kid, I have great parents, don't get me wrong, loving, supportive, through no fault of their own. Money was just really tight. It was a source of stress. It was a dark cloud over everything. So coming into my marriage, like I'm temperamentally a saver, but I really want to save because of scarcity. There's like this fear that was uh, impressed upon me subconsciously over time that I need to hoard to protect because we might not have enough tomorrow. And my wife, she's she's really interesting that she's temperamentally also a saver, but she didn't come in with the baggage that I had. It was more so, I like to save. I like to be orderly with my finances. So a lot of the things that couples should talk about is, hey, what is your history with money? And I think just talking it through is 90% of the battle. You know, any sort of behavioral change will come from that conversation that gets started. And also just living a, a good Christian life, right? Praying regularly, the sacraments. So really the relational part is more important. There's more I could say, but I'll kind of, I'll, I'll pause there. Yeah. Which I, I think is important and, and kind of along the same veins of like communicating about your money. And I think this is, I don't know. I feel like a lot of my secular friends feel very differently than my Catholic friends about money in terms of like even things like sharing a bank account, um, which for me, like it's, and for my husband, it's, it's our money. So I earn money, he earns money, but it get it pulls into the same place while I run our budget and our finances. My husband is still very involved in the, in the planning and also the long-term planning. So both of us are aware of the other's spending habits and aware of where we're spending our money, 
what we're saving for because everything comes into the same account. So it's not like there's anything hidden from the other. Um, and we've kind of come to a decision of our long-term goals and our long-term plans for, you know, money in the future. And all of that comes forth from communicating with one another about, mm -hmm. you know, how we feel about money. Yeah. And you're really, you're highlighting something that I, I mentioned at a pre-Cana talk that I gave, and that was, you don't, generally speaking, you know, I can't speak with 100% certainty to an audience I don't know, right? But I think in general, something to strongly consider and perhaps move towards is not having two islands out of your finances, but having one island. Because theologically, mm -hmm. you're becoming one flesh. And a lot of, especially working professionals, you know, the husband's a lawyer, the wife's a doctor, they might each have the capital to support those two islands over time. But that's not in the spirit of unity, typically. And also to give a quick example, uh, one of my prior roles in finance was helping people move money. And there was this uh, lady, she was around 60 years old, and her husband passed away. He was, I don't know, 65, 70. And he had managed everything solo on his side. She knew nothing. He had 12 different investment and bank accounts. And it took her literally over two years to sort everything out, consolidate, wow. re-register, get it into her control. And she was like crying on the phone because she was reliving her husband's death for two years and honestly his mistake at the same time. So that's why I strongly encourage people organize as soon as possible, consolidate. There are exceptions, of course, but strongly consider that and really that financial house one, one island. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I just think that you can still have individual financial independence, but share a bank account. I know for us, like in our budget, you know, my husband has an allowance. I have an allowance and that's, you can spend whatever you want with this chunk of money. You can do whatever you want with it, but this is the chunk of money that you have. You know, we still have our own credit cards, but again, the credit cards, we both see where that money comes from, you know, where that money is going and all that. But yeah, I think long-term planning too about, you know, Nobody wants to think about when you're preparing for marriage, what happens when one of you goes, but it is something to think about because mm -hmm. when you take your vows, you're saying, you know, for all my days or until death do us part, which I think in the right of marriage, you do have the option to say one of those two things, which is just a funny thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, okay. So a lot of couples have different uh -huh. backgrounds to money, <laughs> which you kind of mentioned before between you and your wife. Um, and like, I think that there's a little bit of a stigma as Catholics that maybe we should not strive towards making a ton of money or that people think money is evil, uh, but it's not. Money is neither good nor bad. It just is. Um, but do you have any advice for individuals who maybe struggle with the balance of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first off, just want to mention sometimes people are called to routes, even though they're married that they might not be earning as much. Like I worked in ministry for many years. I was a Catholic missionary. And a lot of people on the staff of those organizations had knew like their calling was just lower middle class because the Lord was just one of them in that spot. And you could see how the Lord was blessing them as well. But kind of outside of situations such as that, I think my take is that, of course, wealth isn't bad in and of itself. In fact, it says in scripture, the Lord is the maker of them both, the rich and the poor. They have that in common. So I think that if you, let's take a, a husband, a father, if you are actively working to provide and you're open to doing difficult things, 
you're seeking what's best for your family, you're doing good at work and improving your craft, whether or not that's to specifically climb up the corporate ladder, but you're just looking to improve and provide, I think a lot of families will find you know, generous wealth. They'll be able to move up over the years. And I think that's a really good thing because gosh, like as I was a missionary, I don't know what we would have done without generous donors. You know, the church that I was at was hit by a hurricane and some wealthy man said, I'll match anything up to 250K. The church was repaired or fundraised in about a month. So there's such a great opportunity for those who have wealth. There's a great temptation to be greedy, uh, to be stingy. And you want to fight against that, pray against that. But what I think is a habit of generosity where you need to be giving when you don't have much, even if you don't have much to give, right? Because if God blesses you with a lot of wealth, then you're ready for that generosity and that responsibility. If you're not good and generous in small things, faithful in small things, you won't be faithful um, in big things. So wealth isn't bad. It is good if you use it the right way and you put the Lord first. The more generous I've been with my money, like the Lord is not never outdone in his generosity. So I don't know. I just being, being generous with your wealth is, is a, a beautiful thing. And I know that there have been times where I'm like, wow, it's mm-hmm. going to really hurt me to write this tithing check this month, you know, to my parish, but I've committed to do it. So I'm going to do it anyway. And of course, like by the end of the month, everything is fine, you know, but it's just, yeah, be generous mm-hmm. with your money. Kind of along the vein of being worried about money, like when money gets tight for couples, it can kind of cause some tension. Um, So what are some tips to maybe prevent that tension from affecting the relationship between the couple? First, put the Lord first. So that habit of prayer, I think when things get difficult, going to adoration together when possible um, is really key. It's really, it's all going to come back to the Lord. Once again, like everything in marriage, communication is key. Talk about it. Be a good listener. No good listening skills. Learn how to summarize what the other person is saying, you know, to really hear their heart as well. Practically, when money's tight, I mean, I think most people have been there at some point. Not everyone, but, you know, my family's been there before growing up, you know, at other stages as well. And really knowing that your identity is not in your wealth. Your net worth is your self-worth is not in your net worth, as they say. And like especially, you know, as a, I, for, yeah, yeah, I actually heard it today in a, a meeting with other Christian advisors, which was really fun. And maybe you can comment on maybe the, the female side, but um, as a man, like deep within me is a desire to provide, but also within that is that brokenness of original sin, where if I'm not able to provide, you know, I really attack my own self. I attack that original wound, you could call it, so to speak. So especially for men who feel like they're not providing, they're between jobs. That's just an opportunity to lean into the Lord and to pray with that, rest with it, accept it, and then wake up in the morning, be willing to look for those jobs or work hard where you're at. Maybe do a second job for a little bit if you have to. You know, God loves the family. He loves the value made in marriage, and he's going to bless that. And hard times are just part of your testimony that you'll have in heaven. Yeah, I love that. I I probably, and I don't know if it's because I'm just the oldest girl in my family and that is just my, it's in my personality to like, I 
took care of myself. Basically when I started college, I was working full time to put myself through college and things like that. So I feel like I have a very different perspective on like the, the female, you know, working mentality or whatever. Um, where, yeah, but it, it has been hard transitioning to like being married to my husband. You know, we, he's very blessed. He has a wonderful job and it was very humbling for me to be like, oh my gosh, I don't make as much as my husband. And I feel like I'm not contributing as much financially, but remembering there are plenty of other ways that I contribute that don't, I don't get a paycheck for. I don't get a paycheck for doing the laundry. I don't get a paycheck for doing the grocery shopping and the cooking and the cleaning and all of those things. So while I'm still a working woman, yes, and I don't, my paycheck is not equivalent to my husband's, I'm still contributing to, to the, to our family life. Um, okay. Kind of taking, talking about a different thing entirely now. And um, when it comes to debt, I think a lot of people do end up entering marriages with debt, whether it's student loans or car payments or credit card debt. I know for me personally, like I came in with student loan debt and, you know, my husband very joyfully was like, we're just going to pay that because I don't want to pay the interest. So we're just going to take care of it right now. And that was like shocking. I think I cried because he was just so willing to just say, we're pulling this money out of our savings to just pay it off because I don't want to deal with it anymore. And I don't want you to have to deal with it anymore. So how how should couples kind of tackle the debt things that they're bringing into their marriage without letting it completely take over their marriage or take over their life? Well, first, I want to start on the relational side, which is like you don't have debt, your spouse doesn't have debt, y'all have debt. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to hold that over the other person or to say like, like you're the one who brought all the debt or like, you know, or maybe insecurity if you're the one with debt. So I think relationally, you know, it's something you'd be very unitive, unified on uh, when it comes to how you talk about it, communicate about it, pray about it. From a practical side, there is a temptation to just want to pay off all debt immediately. Sometimes that is the right thing to do, especially credit card debt is especially pernicious to use a fancy word. Um, it really hockey sticks really quick. Usually the APY is you know over 20%. So that really grows legs and runs away on you. So you want to be very careful about that. Other forms of debt, you can be strategic with it. You know, student loan debt is often a bit more, what would you say? reasonable to work with. Sometimes there's avenues for partial or full forgiveness. If it's a federal loan with a very low interest rate, you know, there might be that conversation, hey, we think our retirement assets would likely outpace this. So then maybe that affects our repayment plan. Um, And also if debt is way out of control, sometimes there's options to consolidate, maybe get a lower interest rate. That's something you can talk with a bank about or a financial professional. But in short, on the practical side, it's very case by case, but typically the higher the interest, the more of a priority it is to tackle, um, but case by case. Yeah. Which of course I started the whole, I answered my, you know, the question with like my situation and then you were like paying it all off at one time is not always the answer. So oops. But like you said, it's situational based. And that, that was the only debt that either of us came into our marriage with was that student loan debt. And it wasn't a large sum of money. So it was relatively easy to just eliminate it. No, no, that's okay. Sometimes the emotional win is worth it. You know, or even if you have two different debts that you have to pay off, even if the bigger one has the higher interest rate, sometimes it's just an emotional win to pay off the other one if it's like only a thousand dollars. So this is one of those things where it's not just strictly a numbers game. So and it does feel really good to have debt gone. I know like I've experienced that before, just 
it's gone. Maybe I could have played the long game. So it's a know yourself thing as well as knowing the practicals. Yeah. And I, I know for me, it was like, I had been paying off my student loan debt and I didn't have very much of it. But like I said, I put, I put myself through college and part of that was having to take out loans when I needed them, even though I did work full time because whatever, I'm not working a full time, like CEO job here. I'm working full time as a <laughs> server, you know, <laughs> but, um, uh-huh. you know, I had, I had been making payments on that and working towards it. And, you know, it was just something my husband was happy to help make sure we didn't have hanging over our heads in our marriage. So, so we could focus on other things. Um, okay. Speaking of focusing on other things, let's talk about retirement, which I know for most of the people who are probably preparing for marriage right now feels like eons and eons away. Uh, but it is something that every person, whether you are getting married, preparing for marriage, or not should be considering. So what are some things that married couples can do now to set them up for success when it comes time for retirement? Mm -hmm. Yeah, retirement does sneak up pretty quick, especially once you get married, especially once kids come, time absolutely flies. Now there is a financial order of operations, I would say. Uh, You do want that safety net typically, that, that foundation. So that's usually some sort of emergency savings of a certain quantity. Three to six months living expenses gets quoted a lot, um, but you can, through some research, working with a professional, you can find that right amount. Uh, risk management, especially once kids come into the picture, like some basic level protection is prudent. But after you have those ducks in a row, retirement is something that should be um, addressed because especially the way it works is it takes a long time often for the magic to happen. So you could run a calculation right now. Let's pretend that we're starting with X dollars, putting in Y dollars a month for 35 years, and let's just say it's 8% return. Who knows if that's what you'll get, let's say for the example. If you look at that over time, the last 10 years will grow almost as much, if not more, than the first 20, 25 years. And that's just the nature of compound interest and growth. So it takes a while for the magic to happen and for things to hockey stick. So if you're investing well uh, from the get-go, you know how to adjust things over time. Whether or not you're working with a professional, let's just assume you're investing well and that the future is good in the market, right? And what you do, then you can really see some really good potential gain for the future. And then with retirement, you want to be strategic about the kind of accounts you use. The Internal Revenue Service has developed different types of accounts. Each has their their pro and their con or their pros and their cons. And you can invest with it them. Usually you can adjust things inside without any taxable consequences until that distribution that you do. So you definitely want to start this early if you're in a place to do it. Because like I said, takes a while for the magic to happen. It's it's the long game for retirement. It's hard to get around that. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot that this is something I wish that they would teach in schools and they don't. It requires a lot of, I think, education and understanding and maybe talking to a financial advisor or financial planner to just kind of help you sort through, okay, what is the difference between a 403B and a 401k and a Roth IRA? And how much can I put in? And what will my company match? And I don't really understand like the risk levels and all the, you know, whatever. So I think it is really important for couples to talk about, for them to think about, because the truth is like, we... (laughs) Hopefully we will live a very long and happy life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be working forever here. So, and I don't want my husband to be working forever. So <laughs> well, we want to be able to retire one day. And so a lot of that comes with planning now 
to make sure that we're able to do all of the things that we still want to do or that we're able to be like set financially in the future. And we don't have to rely on our children or anybody else um, for money when we're old, which I feel old now, but I'm talking like old, old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you're, yeah. you are a financial advisor. Old. Well, <laughs> can you share a little bit more about what you do mm -hmm. and how you help couples? Absolutely. I do holistic financial planning. So you can think of that like big picture financial planning. Um, if finance is like a Venn diagram, a lot of areas overlap and you want to be intentional with how they overlap. So areas that I work on with families and individuals, you know, retirement, investing. I work with a lot of Christian and Catholic clients. So how to invest their values is something that you could say I specialize in, which is really important for certain people. Uh, risk management, such as life insurance, disability, you know, long-term care if applicable, that's very situational. Some small business planning, estate planning, such as, hey, how does the money that you have go where you want it to after you pass away? Because there's three people who can get it, your family, a charity, or the government. And most people choose the government as the person or entity rather that they don't want to get it. So in short, <laughs> what I do is I help people to grow their wealth preserve it and distribute it in a tax efficient manner and leave a legacy. That's awesome. Um, so kind of the last question that I have for you, which we ask to all of our guests is what is one piece of advice that you would give to a newly engaged couple it can be financially related or not pray together and grow in your faith. Cause really everything is going to follow from that. I heard in confession, this is a great confession. Um, that a virtue and let's say prayer let's call prayer virtue is like a rosary bead and when you pick up that one bead all the other beads will follow mm -hmm. so i think if you're seeking the lord and loving him that the finances will follow the um, the relationships will follow the work-life balance will follow it's going to be messy because we're humans you know and we'll need help along the way from community professionals you know priests lay ministers it really is a team effort to get to heaven um but really just starting with prayer and everything uh, will, will follow will flow from there yeah that's awesome what a nice quote too i like that i like that a lot well well thank you so much for taking the time to be on today's episode to kind of talk us through all things finances and money. Where can people find you if they want to reach out either because they think you're awesome and they want to hear about your missionary days or because they might want to say, Will, help me <laughs> when it comes to financial planning? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. A great way to reach out to me is just search my name, William Murley, on LinkedIn. I do a lot of networking business and other things on LinkedIn. So yeah, whether you just want to pick my brain or you're interested in something that I do specifically in terms of business, you know, happy to talk with anyone, everyone about uh, what I do and, and how I can potentially help you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again, Will, for being on the episode today. Uh, if you aren't already, please follow us at Catholic Wedding Podcast on Instagram. We post all of the new episode links up there as well as just other awesome stuff that we find on Instagram to help you guys in your wedding planning and marriage preparation. And we also have the Facebook group, The Catholic Bride, where we have thousands, well, not thousands, 
but I think it's kind of like exploded in the past couple of days. So we have like 1,500 brides who are preparing for marriage. We have vendors in there all to help you as you are planning for your wedding day and preparing for marriage. Um, Victoria and I are both there, so you can hang out with us there and on Instagram. And with that, we will see you in the next episode. Bye.